So if you would, take the Word of God that you have available for you there in your hands or take one that's provided and turn to the passage that was read uh, by the Waymeyers uh, in the beautiful prayer this morning to Luke chapter 1. Would you turn there? Luke chapter 1. And that's page 856. Again, if you're using a Bible provided for you. I want to say welcome to all. It's wonderful to see you, especially for our guests today. Maybe you've come with friends or from out of town. We're certainly glad to have you. We welcome you. We know we have a number of our people that are away traveling, so our prayers are with them. And we're thankful to have you here today. I'm excited to worship with you. Well, this morning we are thinking about the light, the unfailing light of the world, and that is the unfailing light of the Lord Jesus Christ. He should be on our thoughts with all the lights that we see around us in celebration, the light that should be on our minds evermore. Uh, this season especially is the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's wonderful to have his unfailing light. You know, this past few weeks, we've had a number of uh, cards sent to our home. Very, very grateful. Susan and I have been blessed to receive a number of cards and some Christmas letters. Uh, a few of those have included uh, Dunkin' Donut cards, and those have been especially holy. I want you to know that. <laughs> I heard the groan go up on that one. So, but I received a, a letter this week that I do want to share with you. It uh, just so touched my heart. And it's a Christmas letter but uh, we enjoy reading the Christmas letters where people tell about their families and things that have gone on during the year. Those are great to read. But this one was a Christmas letter written by one of our members. And it is entitled, A Blessed 2019 Christmas. And he wrote it using the two words, blessed Christmas, and used them, uh, used them as an acrostic, each letter representing a special message. It starts with that letter, blessed Christmas. And here's what his letter said. Blessed, be, be every, ever thankful for God's great salvation. L, love deeply each person you know in this life. E, Every person conceived is valuable in the sight of God. S, share God's love and salvation with everyone you meet. S, supply the needs of others as you are able. E, every good gift comes from our Heavenly Father. D, delight in God's word. And then Christmas. C, Christ is the ultimate, all capital, gift we know and can receive at Christmas. H, he should be in all our thoughts. R, real joy comes in following Jesus each day of our lives. I, I am truly thankful for God's Holy Spirit to guide me in this life. S, salvation is only, all caps, through accepting Christ in the shed blood on Calvary. T, thankful for each of you as my friend. M, may God's love penetrate your heart deeply. A, always be thankful that God loves you and cares for you. S, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. Now that was a great Christmas letter, wasn't it? But you know what made it even more touching and meaningful to me? Is uh, several weeks ago, uh, that dear brother who wrote that letter, his wife of nearly 60 years was taken to be with the Lord. And so here, this first Christmas, after all these years without his wife, yet there is a light shining in his heart. The light of Christmas, the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was uh, debating whether to share that letter with you or not, but you know what happened in the first service? At the conclusion of the first service, a man came up to me, introduced himself, and he says, this is my first time here. And he said, I know why I'm here. Six weeks ago, I lost my wife, and I know she's in heaven, but that letter was for me. That letter was for me. So we thank God. Yes, that's right. You know, that's right. That's just one of those coincidences, isn't it? Just seem to be more of them when the Lord's around, right? And we're doing His work, and He always is doing that. But I was so touched by that because that letter in the midst of a season of grief is full of light and it's full of sunlight. And that's the theme of the song I want us to look at this morning. It was a song that was read from Luke chapter 1. It's the song of sunlight, the song of sunlight, because Zechariah is singing with his son in his arms. And he is singing over that son and about that son. But as you will see, he's singing about another son, the son of God. And the light of the son in his arms and the light of the son of God is in his heart. And so we'll look at this song. One of these songs that Luke records regarding the nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, we need to know the circumstances around the song. You know that behind every song that you love, there is a story. Songs just don't come out of thin air. There are human experiences that are behind every story and every song. And that is exactly true here. So at verses 57, if you'd notice in your Bible this morning, of chapter 1 down through verse Number 66, we have the story behind this song that was, is sung by Zechariah. Now let's look at this. It is a song of a birth of a special child. That is the big circumstance. The birth of a special child. Verse 57, now the time came that Elizabeth would give birth and she gave birth to a son, bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Here is a scene of celebration. This elderly lady, because she is elderly, has had a son granted to her by the Lord. She and her husband, Zachariah, and all her neighbors, her relatives, loved ones have heard of this and they have come to rejoice with her because this son, miraculous as he is, is a gift from God. And so there's a celebration. 
But the celebration in eight days turns to confusion because it's time to name the son. And there's confusion about this. Look at verse 59. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he shall be called John. Now, this is confusing. Because generally, the firstborn son would take the father's name. If not the father's name, one of a near relative or maybe one that was more renowned. But no, no name in the family, the name of John. But his mother, Elizabeth, says his name is John. Well, they can't agree that that's what he should be called. So they call for dad and dad comes and he brings confirmation. Notice verse 62. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he he wanted him to be called. Now, notice it says they made signs to him. We know that Zechariah has been mute for nine months, nine months. He's not been able to speak. But clearly here, he's also evidently not able to hear as well because they make signs to him whether this child should be named John. What is his name? And because he cannot speak, the Bible tells us, notice, that he calls for a tablet to be given to him. And it says in verse 63, he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. Zacharias couldn't speak, so he asked, he asked for a, a, a wax tablet that was used in those times to be given. And he takes a stylus, probably made out of metal, and he inscribes in the wax, no doubt, very forcefully, his name is John. Now, why is he so forceful? Because Gabriel had already told him that his name was to be called John. And he hadn't believed Gabriel once before and he wasn't going to do it again. (laughs) His name is John. God chose the name for this boy. He sent Gabriel to give the name to the father. His name will be called John. Yohanan. Why? Because John, Yohanan, means God is gracious. God is gracious. That is going to be the message of this child when he is raised up. He is going to be a prophet of God's grace, that God in his grace and mercy is visiting his people, visiting this world with salvation. His name is John. And as soon as he says the word John, He writes the word John, rather. This father who hasn't spoken in nine months, he breaks out. And what a praise Papa gives. He begins to praise the Lord. Verse 64, immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke blessing to God. Now, in just a few minutes, we'll hear in detail what he spoke, this blessing to God. Well, of course, all of these activities immediately and afterward 
started a great conversation. I mean, the word spread out everywhere faster than on Facebook the word went out. <laughs> Verse 65, notice, and fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts. Now notice that. All, 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 all. I think that means all. <laughs> Everyone in this whole village and the surrounding area and all over the hill country of Judea began to speak of these amazing events and the, and the birth of this miraculous child so that everyone is very aware God is doing something incredible. God is about to move in power. Something amazing is happening in our midst. Already this baby is preparing the way of the Lord, right? Already. My friends, let me just say this, if I might, for a moment. As you read here, it says all the neighbors, all these things, all the hill country, all who heard them. Know this, my friends, that all the things about our faith, that all the story of the life and message of our Savior, Jesus Christ, everything about his death and crucifixion, everything about his resurrection and ascension, it was known by tens of thousands of people. Our faith was not brought about in a corner under a blanket. But the message of the Lord Jesus Christ is the most affirmed and historically confirmed message in the history of the world. And you don't have to be ashamed when you say, I believe in the message of Jesus Christ. I believe in Christ because the whole message of his life is absolutely historically confirmed. Well, Luke, the historian's recounting these events and he even looks ahead a little bit about this boy, John, who grows up, verse 66. All who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will be with this child? What will this child be? Now notice, for the hand of the Lord was with him. The hand of the Lord was with him. That is the one absolute quality of a life that makes a difference for God. That is the hand of the Lord to be with him. Parents, grandparents, this should be your prayer and your desire above all things that the hand of the Lord would be upon your children. The hand of the Lord would be there. Now that we understand the circumstances surrounding the song, I want us to take a few minutes to look at the song. Let's take a few minutes to focus here on the lyrics of the song. And the song is an incredible song given by the blessing of the Holy Spirit upon Zechariah. The song has a title to it. It's been given this title from ancient times. The title is Benedictus, Benedictus, which is a Latin word which means blessing or blessed. Why? Because that's the, that is the first thing that comes out of Zechariah's mouth. He, he blesses the God of 
Israel. And he begins to sing this song. And what a song it is. And he had so much to say. Remember, he hasn't spoken in nine months. He's got some things to say. And what a song is in his heart as he's holding his little son in his arms. Just eight days old. Can you imagine the scene? He's holding his little boy in his arms. He hasn't spoken in nine months. And everyone's standing around just gasping, staring as he is exclaiming the praises of God. Now notice, we can't look at all the song because there's so much. It would, it would take more than our time here this morning. But I want you to notice four themes. There are four themes in this song that are, can be very instructive to us today. And I want to share them with you. First of all, I notice this about this song. This song is a song of delight in God. It's a song of delight in God. Verse 67, And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesied, saying, Blessed, blessed be the Lord God of Israel. Now, once again, there's the phrase, He was filled with, with the Holy Spirit. That phrase has been used several times already in this first chapter of Luke. We're told that three months earlier, you remember last week we looked at the song in verses 29 to 55. Three months earlier, Elizabeth was filled with spirit and she sang praises. And the child within her womb the unborn child, John, leaped for joy. Why? Because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Why did he leap for joy? Because the mother of the Lord, the Virgin Mary, already carrying within her womb the developing body of the Lord Jesus, the little child within Elizabeth leapt for joy and Mary, who was carrying the Christ child, she was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to sing. And now it's Zachariah's turn. Now it's his turn. He is filled with the Holy Spirit and he shares a proclamation of praise. The Holy Spirit is upon him. And what comes out of his mouth? Words of praise to God. He's exalting the Lord. And my friends, I want to remind you again that every time in the Bible you read of the Holy Spirit coming upon someone or the Holy Spirit filling someone or the evidence of the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's always going to be shown forth in praise to the Lord God. Because the Holy Spirit never wants to turn the spotlight on us. The Holy Spirit always turns the spotlight on the Lord, especially on the Lord Jesus Christ. When people are filled with the Spirit, it's a lot less I and it's a lot more J. It's a lot more Jesus. All about the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is Zacharias, filled with the Spirit of God, and he proclaims praise for the glories of the God of Israel. He sings passionately a song of delight in God. He's delighting in God. And but notice also the second theme in his song. 
He not only sings passionately, he also sings prophetically. He sings prophetically a song of deliverance by God. A song of deliverance by God. Listen to him sing about deliverance. Beginning in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Now this is a song of national salvation. That's what Zechariah is singing about. He's singing about God's grace bringing national salvation. He says the God of Israel has visited and redeemed his people. Redeemed means to set free. He's visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up, notice verse 69, a horn of salvation. Now that's a term that's used often in the Old Testament and used here in Zechariah's song as, a, as he speaks to the prophet. A horn of salvation doesn't mean like a horn on an instrument like here on our stage. The horn of salvation refers to the horns on an ox or a bull. And it symbolizes strength and authority. And in the prophetic scriptures, the horn became an image for a kingdom. And so when Zechariah says he has raised up a horn of salvation, means he has raised up a kingdom, a king who will bring us salvation and this king is from where? Look at verse 69. He is from the house of his servant David. Now, Zacharias is of the tribe of Levi. He's a priest. All the priests were of the tribe of Levi, descendants of Aaron. But he's singing his song about the tribe of Judah. Because God made a prophecy from Jacob, who was called Israel. Remember, his name was changed to Israel. As he blessed his son Judah, he said the lawgivers for the people of Israel would come from Judah. So all the kings were from the tribe of Judah. And then God made a choice of one family of the tribe of Judah. He made a choice of the family of Jesse. And of Jesse's eight sons, he chose the youngest son by the name of David. And he says, I have found a man after my own heart, David. He will shepherd my people Israel. And then God, listen carefully, entered into a covenant with David. He made a covenant with David saying, From you, David, from your descendants will come the one whose reign will never end. From you and your descendants will come the kingdom that will last forever and forever. And here is Zacharias singing about the house 
of Judah, the house of David. Notice who he's singing about. Who is of the house of David? A young woman that's just been to Zechariah's house a few months earlier, a few days earlier. Her name is Mary. She is of the house of David. She is a direct descendant of David. And to her is born from the king of heaven. The king of the ages. The king of the Jews. The Lord Jesus Christ who is the son of David. That's a messianic title. He's the son of David. And so here is Zechariah. He's singing prophetically. He's singing prophetically about the deliverance of God and a national salvation. And he says this has been promised by the prophets. Look at verse 70. God has spoken this by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. The prophets had proclaimed that there would come one who would deliver the people of Israel, who would bring salvation to the descendants of Abraham. And this promise goes all the way back, not just to the prophets, but goes all the way back to the patriarchs. It is a messianic promise God made to the patriarchs of Israel. Look at verses 72 and 73. He will show us mercy to show us mercy promised to our fathers. That's the patriarchs. And to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us. God made a promise to Abraham. When he called Abraham out of the darkness of heathenism. And he brought his grace to him, made himself known to Abraham. He brought Abraham to a land that he said, I promise I will give to you and your descendants forever. It is yours. And even though you and Sarah are childless, I will give you a son. And from the son will come the one who will bless all the nations of the earth. The promise of God's Messiah. That was God's covenant promise made with Abraham, passed on to the patriarchs. And friends, when God makes a promise, he keeps it, right? He keeps it. I love this. <laughs> You'll love this. Zechariah even works himself into this song. He even sings about his own name to glorify God. You say, where's that, Sam? Verse 72. To show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. You know what the word Zechariah means? It means God remembers. God remembers. And so here's Zechariah singing in praise over the meaning of his own name. Yes, God remembers his promises, his covenants, and I'm holding the evidence in my hands, my little baby boy, who will be the forerunner of the son of David. He's holding the son in his hands. 
Next to him is standing the little one's mother. What is her name? Her name is Elizabeth. And what does Elizabeth mean? Elizabeth means God is faithful. God is faithful. So do you see the scene here? Here is this family. Here they are. They've come, no doubt, traveled the five miles to the temple in Jerusalem to dedicate their child to the Lord. And they hold, and he holds the child in his arms. And the child's name is John. What does that mean? God is gracious. The one holding him is Zechariah. What does that mean? God remembers. And his mother standing next to him. His na her name is Elizabeth. God is faithful. This is a whole covenant image here. Built into the very scene and the very song that the father is singing. Isn't our God an awesome, wonderful God? In all the details, his his glory is being displayed. But then the song changes. And I want you to see this for a moment. Where, where's the big transition? Where's the bridge in the song? Well, the bridge in the song is found in verse 76. Because this father who's singing with passion in delight of God. And he's singing prophetically about the deliverance of God, he looks down at his little boy, eight days old, that he has in his arms, and he begins to sing over his little boy a song about the destiny of God. The destiny of God. Verse 76. And you, child. See, he's singing to his little boy now. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. What a moment this is. What a moment it is. Since Zacharias, who's now an old man, since he was a little boy, he has known Many, many verses of Scripture, but one comes to his mind now. A verse of Scripture he's known almost his entire life. What is the verse of Scripture? Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 says this. Behold, God speaking, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Here is this priest of God, this old man, holding in his arms this bundle of his little son who's being dedicated to the Lord. His mind goes to the prophecy that was made 400 years before by Malachi. And he recognizes that he's holding the fulfillment of that prophecy in his arms this child, his son, is the messenger of the Lord. The one who will be the herald of the king and will say, prepare your hearts 
for the Lord is coming. What a moment this is. No wonder the old man sings. You'd sing too. Who couldn't sing at a moment like this? This man singing passionately because he's delighting in God. He's singing prophetically about the deliverance of God. And he's also singing to his beloved son about the destiny of God. But notice one other thing. He begins to sing personally. He changes to us, our. He sings personally a song of a dawning from God. God has sent a dawning. In his son's birth, he sees the dawning of a new day. How dark it has been. How doubtful he has been. How dark the world is. There is just dictatorial rule by Rome everywhere. His people oppressed. A madman named Herod ruling his people. Empty religion being practiced everywhere without life, form, but no fervor. Ritual almost overcoming the message of a relationship with God. But the baby in his arms means a new day is coming. A new day is coming. And the light is in his heart already. And he sings about it. Notice verse 78. He says, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise, don't you see that? Whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high. Light is coming. Light is coming. And it's coming like a sunrise. But it's not going to be like a sunrise over the earth. It's like a sunrise that's come from the heavens themselves. It's a sunrise that comes from God. It comes from the very heart of God. What is this sunrise? It is the tender mercy of our God. Do you see that? The tender mercy of our God is bringing light to us like a sunrise. It's, it's a light that's coming out of the heart of God to shine on people in the dark. It's a sunrise that's coming of tender mercy. This is the heart of God. God as he looks over a world in rebellion. God as he looks on a world of ruthlessness. God as he looks on this world that is rampant with evil. Yet his heart is moved with compassion. The word tender mercies here means the very center of your body. Where you feel the emotion. When you feel deeply moved, you feel it right here. And this is the word for God. God has tender mercies over sinful people. God has tender compassion for people who are in the darkness and away and from rebel, for rebels against his will. He has tender compassion. Friend, that's the good news this morning. The good news of Christmas is that God 
in his love has sent his son to be the savior. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God loves sinners. God is compassionate. The idea that you have that God has no good intentions for you, that God wants you to live under his thumb of subjugation, the idea that God somehow does not want you to know joy and happiness and freedom, that is a lie from the enemy himself. It is from the serpent of hell. The God of heaven and earth is a God of mercy and his heart yearns for sinners to come and know him. His mercy is freely given to us in Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. This man is singing of the sunrise. Sunrise. The new day has come and it illuminates the darkness to give light to those who sit in the darkness and in a shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Do you see that in verse 79? God has sent His Son to give light to people in darkness, to people who are in the shadow of death, to bring life to them. Why? That He might guide their steps into a way of peace. To know the peace with God and the peace of God. This is the light of Christmas. This is the light that the angels are, are sang about in Bethlehem. What did they sing? They didn't sing gloom to the world. The Lord has come. No joy to the world. Why? The Lord has come. The sun rise has come from on high. It's the dawning of a new day. My friend, I want you to know something. 2,000 years have passed, but that light is still shining. The light is still shining. And because the light's shining, we can be singing. That's what I want you to take away. Don't just study the song of this dear man, Zacharias. Get in on it. <laughs> Join him. Sing. It is a song for our darkness. Are you in darkness this morning? You feel like the darkness is surrounding you and your heart feels full of darkness? Then friend, know this. There is a light that shines in the darkness. There is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He shines in the darkness. He will shine in your heart today. There's a light for people in the darkness. Maybe you're in depression. Maybe you're sitting in the gloom, in the shadow of death. We don't know why we feel this way. Don't try to figure out why you feel this way. Don't try to analyze your depression. Do something with your depression. Drag your depression kicking and screaming to the light of Jesus Christ. Determine that, yes, though you are down in your heart, you won't be down in your message. You will speak the truth. What you feel is not true. The darkness is not the truth. The truth is the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. Bring that depression to the light of Jesus Christ. Cry out for the Lord to speak to your heart and to bring light in your heart. Maybe you're in the doubts this morning. You're in the darkness of doubt. You don't have the answers to some things. Things are troubling you. You can't figure things out. 
what do you do with your doubts? Where do you go with your doubts? You take them to the certain reality. You take them to Jesus, who is the absolute substance of the things that we absolutely hope for. He's the evidence of the things we can't see. Take your doubts to Jesus. Take your doubts to Christ. Take your doubts to the Lord. In, when you're in the darkness, friend, remember what you learned in the light. Remember what you learned in the light. In the light, you learned that Jesus is light. He's the light of the world. Now in your darkness, don't forget what you learned in the light. The light of the world is Jesus. For our detours, He is our North Star. Some of you are facing life right now. It's taking a turn you did not expect. You could not have imagined. You thought you were on a path that was so sure and certain, and it has taken a direction you could not have imagined. And you don't understand what's going on. What is this road? Friend, don't look to the road. Don't look to the circumstances. Look to the guiding fixed point of your life. That's Jesus Christ. He never changes. Keep your eyes on him. You might not know where he's leading. You might not know what he's doing, but you do know him and you know that he's unchangeable. He is the one certain and sure fixed reality of your life. Keep your eyes on Jesus Christ. Maybe you're in a time of delay. You've been expecting something to happen and it's not happened. Maybe the weeks have passed, months have passed. It might be about a relationship. It might be about a uh, a job situation. It might be about a career. It could be something about your family. It could be a prayer request, but nothing is changing. The delay continues. But I want you to remember in your delay, someone is with you who is a very present help in time of need. And sometimes the greatest time of need we have is waiting, waiting. Lord, help me to wait. Help me to fix my eyes on you. While I'm waiting, you yourself are my answer. And for our discouragement, does anybody here other than me get discouraged at times? You say, you get discouraged? Oh, my friends, I've got several degrees in discouragement. <laughs> We get discouraged. Discouraged. Where do you look when you're discouraged? Don't look around. You'll just get more discouraged. Where do you look? Look up. Look up. Because he is in your discouragement. One thing is true. He is your coming king, right? He's the coming king. Some of the most precious words in the Bible are these. And it came to pass. <laughs> and it came to pass. And you know what? It will. Because one day, the darkness and the depression and the doubts and the detours and the delays and the discouragement will be all over. And in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the trumpet and the voice of God, it will be delight forevermore.
delight forevermore. Friend, the light shines in the darkness. He's shining this morning. May He shine His grace in your heart today. May He shine His light in your heart. Let's bow our heads. Dear friend, as our heads are bowed, I ask you, focus now. Take a sila moment. Don't, don't slip away out into the holiday hurry. Not yet. Right now, just take a moment. I, I would say most of us here are in some delay or darkness or discouragement or depression. There's a detour. Maybe there's a defeat. Where do you take those? Do something with them. Take these to Jesus. Take the darkness to Jesus. Take the doubt, the discouragement. Fix your eyes on Him. And then, oh dear friend, if you are in death, you know not the joy of salvation you never have you are in spiritual death let me tell you about Jesus he speaks light into tombs <laughs> he speaks light and life into the tombs of our souls and he brings life to the dead you think that you're just dead you're just dead spiritually dead may God in his grace enliven your spirit so that you will cry out to the living one Jesus Christ life is in him he that has the life he that has the son has life he that does not have the son does not have life now, Lord God, may you do what only you can do. Sovereign God of grace and mercy, come and visit us from on high. From your tender mercies of your heart, be merciful to us sinners for Jesus' sake. And God's people said, Amen.